and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray-painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is your transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are going to have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now... Let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us today for another great episode. It's going to be a little bit different than a lot of our past episodes. If you've listened to these for a while, you'll know that every once in a while, I like to come on the podcast and share some of my thoughts. So typically, I interview people, I get to be curious, I get to ask them a lot of questions, but I also feel that it is necessary for me to also share some of my thoughts and some of my convictions and some of my curiosity with all of you. So today I'm going to do just that. A bit about me if this is your first time here. First of all, welcome. We're glad to have you and, and we know that you'll get something out of today. But I work as an executive coach and a mental performance coach. So I founded a company called Strong Skills. And at Strong Skills, our team is on a mission to change how the world thinks about soft skills. We believe that labeling competencies like leadership, teamwork, and communication as soft devalues and minimizes the importance of those skills. So we are transforming how companies, executives, athletes, and sports teams value these skills by providing one-on-one coaching, which I'm going to get to in a minute here, and interactive workshop experiences. And it's our hope that our society will start calling these skills for what they are. They are strong skills. If you're interested in learning more about our work, feel free to visit our website at strongskills.co. That's strongskills.co. Additionally, I mentioned one-on-one coaching. I run an accelerator for amazing executives. I've now coached over 40 of them, and I bring them into a group process where we do monthly Zoom calls, and most of the program and at the heart of the program is one-on-one coaching with me. So if you're an executive, typically they tend to be about 30 to 55 years old, but we're age agnostic. Typically they be They tend to be at the VP level or the C-suite level, but we're role agnostic as well. And we just love working with open-minded, curious, highly driven people. And so if you want to work with me and you're interested in getting coached one-on-one or you're interested in learning more about our accelerator program, feel free to reach out to me at brian at strongskills.co, brian at strongskills.co. The program is currently full, but we're launching a new one in July and we still have spaces available for that. So thanks to all of you who continue to listen to these conversations and that have already reached out to work with me in the past or to work with our team 
in the past. Lastly, uh, I wrote a book called Shift Your Mind. It is now available anywhere that books are sold. And if you'd like to listen to books, you can also get it at Audible. Feel free to check out the book there. And once again, thanks to all of you for your continued support. As I mentioned, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. You're just going to get me, and I hope you enjoy as I explore my own reflections on the past year living in a pandemic. Like many of you, it has been some highs, some lows, and uh, a whole lot of learning and reflecting. So I'm going to share some of those thoughts, and so here we go. So where I wanted to start was, first off, acknowledging that I've struggled over the last year. It hasn't been all positive. It hasn't been all happiness. And even though I've been healthy, I've been employed, I've had plenty of work and and, and making a living and, and doing just fine on that front. And we have childcare. My wife and I both have support from family. Uh, my My mother-in-law is an angel and my parents have been around to help us as well. So we've had it good. And yet, I still have felt like we've struggled. And there's an old adage that you can hold two things to be true. And I think that is true. We have been okay. And this has been a struggle. I miss connecting with friends. I miss traveling, exploring. Heck, I even miss my commute and being in the car and listening to podcasts and sometimes sitting in traffic. I miss looking out the window and just seeing a new restaurant open. I miss going to sporting events, concerts, hanging out with friends in their living room, going out to dinner. I think I live a pretty full life and I'm so grateful for that. And I miss a lot of what my pre-pandemic life was because I feel as though I live an extremely full life. I miss high fives, fist bumps, hugs, I truly do miss connecting with people. And a few years ago, I used to talk about the science of happiness. And if you're unfamiliar with the science of happiness, the University of Pennsylvania has an amazing department where they study positive psychology. And a big part of positive psychology is to focus not on suffering, which a lot of psychology had focused on uh, for the majority of the time psychology has been around, but also on what helps people thrive and what allows them to live fulfilling and meaningful and happy lives. And they have some great research and and I'm still very much a fan of the work, but I started to pivot away from feeling happy to feeling alive. And to me, feeling alive involved funerals. It involved hardship. It involved frustration. And when I started to embrace that notion of feeling alive, I found it to be more liberating than trying to feel happy. And over the last year, certainly lost friends uh, to the pandemic, lost friends to cancer. Um, I think we sometimes forget that life has hardship. And the pandemic is certainly a reminder that we have far less in our control than we think we do. None of us are guaranteed another second, minute, hour, or day. It's just the truth. And bad things happen. And sometimes we don't have a reason for those bad things happening. And so the pandemic's been a reminder of that. I I think it's, it's, it's been bad. It's been tough. And I'll get into in a little bit, the death and the suffering that people have had, but I haven't had that. I've had mostly, um, a pretty healthy experience 
with this yet. I miss feeling alive. And a big part for me of feeling alive is creating memories. And I think we often create memories when life is different. When we experience something that is out of the ordinary, that is extraordinary. And even sometimes those tough things are memories that stick with us and move us and change us and help us grow. But I miss creating memories. I think the monotony of the pandemic, feeling like you're sort of doing the same thing every day and sometimes not being in different environments. I know we went to the beach and we've done a little bit of travel just to change up our environment. And every time I do that, I feel as though we're actually creating new memories. Whereas when I do the same thing every day and you know, I love my kids to death, but seeing them every day and seeing my wife and just sort of going through the monotony every single day, I find it harder to make memories. So this has been tough. Um, I haven't kept up with my meditation, which is something that I was pretty good at. I shouldn't say pretty good, pretty consistent at for a lot of the last few years. Um, That has certainly lapsed during the pandemic. I just haven't built it into my routine and I, I haven't felt all that motivated to do it. And that's just the truth. So meditation is something that I find myself doing less and less of. I still am trying to live mindfully. Um, And I do that by looking at the sunrise and sunset. I do that by trying to put the phone down and and be present for my kids and and my wife. I do that by hanging by the fire pit. We have a fire pit in our backyard and being with friends and family. Uh, We also have a hot tub. I love the hot tub because you can't bring your phone in it. Um, I actually brought my phone into the hot tub early on in the pandemic. Uh, Not a good idea for those of you that are interested. It was in my pocket and I had to get a new phone. Um, But I love those opportunities to be mindful, but my meditation practice has, has, has taken a hit during the last year. And I think the pandemic has had something to do with that. My exercise habits have gone up and down. There are times where I felt like I've been really on top of it and times where I've felt exhausted and, and not felt like doing it. And I think I could be more disciplined there for sure. I think my whole life, I could probably have been more disciplined with my exercise. My friends would probably back that up. Um, But that's something else I've struggled with is consistent exercise. Um, And then also, I think a big thing that I've really been struggling with the last few months is deciding when is it appropriate and when is it my time to get vaccinated? I think I did not want to cut the line. I wanted to make sure people would get it ahead of me that really needed it. And yet, I had a lot of friends that were getting the vaccine and uh, it just seemed like a, a big conundrum and a challenge that I wrestled with a lot in my head to think about when is it appropriate for me to, to do this? Well, certainly no question for me, at least that I was going to get it and that I wanted it as soon as possible. I didn't want to get it at the expense of someone once again who needed it more. And so I've been doing a lot of digging and sort of soul searching for myself about are there times where maybe I'm too self-righteous Are there times where maybe I'm holding my ground and and standing on a soapbox? And um, so those are reflections that I'm having and I'm I'm wrestling with that um, conundrum. I also have been wrestling and I would say alongside my wife on, you know, what can we do for our kids during this time? This is my, I have a four-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy. These are crucial years for them to develop and grow and learn how to read and and create memories and use their imagination and even develop physically. And so it's been a challenge to try to figure out what's the best possible path for them without the traditional schools being open, at least in our area. So these have been things that have been struggles for me. I think I've struggled to have conviction 
Um, should we see friends? Should we be indoors or outdoors? Should we be locked down completely? What about our kids? What about them going back to school? Should we see my parents and my mother-in-law? And they're over 60 years old. What's okay? What's not? I have found myself to really struggle with that. I don't know where I stand on what should be open and what should be closed. And those are things that I am doing a lot of thinking about. And so I think the lack of clarity and, and, and the increase in clutter is taxing emotionally. And I certainly have felt that. And uh, I think the one thing I've had conviction on is, okay, I'm going to wear a mask. And that's been something that I felt fine with doing and it hasn't bothered me. But a lot of the other stuff I've, I've really struggled with as it relates to the pandemic. And I think a big reason for that is because I'm someone who wants to trust our, our doctors and our science. And this is a novice, this is a novice virus and it is a novel virus. And so there's still unknowns in, in trying to navigate what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. I found to be a bit challenging. Also, look, the last year and the conversations we're having around race and diversity and discrimination have been profound and have weighed heavy on me. And I've done a lot of thinking about what can I do to do my part to help make this world a little more just, a little better off. And then once again, something that I'm not sure about is what messaging do we need to give to my four and five-year-old? What do we need to expose them to? What should we expose them to when it comes to race in this country? They're young and they're still navigating the world. And I remember after the George Floyd murder, uh, they had a Sesame Street special on CNN. And it was it was a big question as to what we should expose my my kids to. And I still am unsure about how to approach them with that. So I want to start by just saying I've struggled. I think I've struggled to figure out as a dad how I can support my kids. Certainly as a husband, how I could support my wife. These are challenging times for myself, um, for my friends. And um, I, I think not many people are being completely open and vulnerable about how they're doing. I, I, I'm on calls and group calls and a lot of people are saying that they're good, that they're great. And I'm usually pretty quick to say, I hate this thing. Like, I, I hate the pandemic. I, I've struggled with it. And I just felt compelled to share that with all of you because I am not perfect and I'm still a work in progress. And these are things that I am questioning and wondering about and thinking a lot about. And I do a whole lot of thinking. So I want to start there. I, I've certainly struggled. I've also experimented so there have been a lot of experimentations that I've gone toward during this time. Uh, I've blocked off golf when the weather is good. I, I block off time on my calendar to get out and play golf. I'm fortunate. I belong to a country club. Like I have access to a golf course and um, I get to be outside with friends for a few hours and be with nature and struggle on a golf course. But um, that's been really big for me. And the nature of my work is if I don't block it, it won't happen. I can fill my schedule with meetings all week. And so I have to be really intentional about blocking off time on my schedule. So I started to block off time last summer and uh, I will continue to do that going into the spring uh, where the weather really turns here in Washington, D.C. 
and so that I have that time for myself. And I think it's really important. And I'm experimenting with blocking it off once a week. And I do it during the week, um, the weekends. I know my wife often needs me to help with the kids. And um, so I want to be there for them. And it's harder to play on the weekends, but I've been trying to take a half day during the week to, to play golf. I also have been really intentional about scheduling time with people. And when I say schedule time, these are often people that will reach out to me because they're interested in the work that I do or they want to connect or network. And I love connecting with people. And I find that if I just plug them into the weekly schedule, it can be really difficult. So I'll often schedule them a month out. And people sometimes will say, gosh, you're, you're busy for the next month. And I say, well, I want to make sure I have time for the things that are the highest priority for me and that are the most urgent. So unless they're reaching out with something urgent, I'd rather schedule them a month out. And that gives me space. It gives me space to have podcast guests and flexibility with their schedules. It gives me space to write. It gives me space to read. It gives me space to create. And so that's been something intentional that I've done the last year that I think is really helpful. Recently, I hired a dietitian to try to get my diet in a good spot. I think there have been benefits to not going out for dinner. And there's also been downsides. I've noticed as I work from home that I snack more, that um, sometimes I'm eating more than I probably should. And so I'll keep you all posted on, on how the dietitian goes, but that's something I want to get better at and be more intentional at. And I've always enjoyed food my whole life. And I, I'd like to continue to enjoy food, but to do it in a little more intent with, with a little more intent. So that's something I'm working on. Um, early on in the pandemic, I got a great piece of advice from Darren McMains, who was on this podcast, and he said he started to ask his kids and video them what they're grateful for. And so for about two months, my wife and I recorded our kids every night and asked them what they're grateful for. And as I think about it, as I say it out loud, it's something that I probably need to bring back because we've abandoned it. And I think we need to continue to practice that with our kids, if not for them, for us, just spending some time capturing what we're grateful for. I often tell my clients it's hard to be grateful and stressed at the same time. And I do believe that gratitude is a superpower. And if practice can really change our outlook on how we see the world. So that's something that we did intentionally. And I think we need to continue to do. So stay tuned on that. One of the things that I've experimented with is as I work from home is having lunch with my wife, who she's now, she works in the school system. So she's now back in the schools. But we would be working in, in the house together. And so I would once a week, and this was actually something that one of my clients told me that he was doing. And so once a week, we would grab lunch together and just sit with each other and sort of take advantage of this time where we're working in the same house. And it's just an abnormal, unusual opportunity. So that's something else that, that we've been trying to do and experimenting with. And it's been quite nice. I, I mentioned working from home. So my lease is up in April. And so I'm not renewing it and I'm going to be working from home. And when I first started to do this work, I worked from home for about five years. And then we had our first, our son. And once he was born, it became really, really apparent that it was not going to be ideal to work from home with him at home. So I got an office and I signed a five-year lease and it happens to be coming up right now. So um, I am giving up the office and that's something else that I think would not have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. And I've done some renovations in my house to make sure that I can work from home in a private, quiet environment. And so that's something else that we are experimenting with. And I figure I can always go back and get an office if this doesn't work, but I'm excited about that. Um, 
The other thing that I think has been a big deal for me is giving myself some grace that if the day is done and I'm not seeing any clients, that it's okay sometimes to end your day at 4.30 or 5. Uh, for a long time, I'd built in a practice where I wouldn't come home until 6 o'clock. And that was just what I did. And during the pandemic, there have been days where I'm done at 4.30 or 5 and go do whatever you want. If that's play with the kids or hang outside with them or whatever it might be. Uh, I had never given myself that permission to do that. And it's felt really liberating. And so I'm experimenting with that. And I don't feel as though I'm less productive. And I often feel that that last hour of the day, there are times where I'm not very productive with it anyway. So I might as well give that to my kids and spend some time outside with them and, and play with them and really create memories with them as best that we can. Uh, so I've been giving myself grace to shut it down when I'm tired. Uh, also, I think being outside has been something that I've noticed. There are days where I don't go outside and man, oh man, does it impact me negatively. And so especially when the weather gets nicer, which it is right now, I go on walking talks with clients and it's, it's remarkable. I'll, I'll walk with them for about an hour and 15 minutes and we'll be on the phone. And there's something about movement in the brain. It, it really does lead to creativity and it's really massive. And so I've been taking advantage of that and that's been a really, really nice piece. I've also worked outside when possible. We've got a little porch that I can work from. And um, so I'll take calls outside and, and do Zoom calls outside whenever possible. So those are things that I'm really trying to integrate into my life is spending more time outside uh, and spending as much time outside as possible, which often can get lost in a profession like mine where you are meeting with someone over Zoom or over the phone. Um, but there's nothing that's really stopping me from doing that. Um, so that's been a, a nice experiment for me that I'll probably continue once uh, the pandemic starts to subside. Another thing that I've tried is I, I've messed around and experimented with some social elements. So when I say social, I'm talking about social media. I've I've tried Clubhouse and I, I found it to be okay. I haven't been all in on it, um, but I've enjoyed it and it's 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 had some upside and I've learned some information from being there and I've participated in some speaking on Clubhouse. I don't think I'm going to be there long term, but I, I'm happy to experiment with it. Uh, I've experimented with creating these video stories and I downloaded this software where I can create whiteboard and whiteboard stories. And hopefully you've seen a couple of them that I've created. And it's just been fun to create and to get creative with that. So I like trying new things as it relates to this mental performance or executive coaching or just mindset in general or psychology. So that's been fun for me as well to experiment with. Uh, I even have looked into launching a nonprofit. So, um, you know, really I've always been hyper curious about race in the United States. And I studied sociology in college and minored in, in African-American studies. And I just believe at my core that we need to do better as a country especially as it relates to how we treat the African-American community. And, and so I'm, I've been exploring that and that's been really interesting. And I've been on a bunch of calls with diverse people to explore what I could do and how I could help. And I'm still excited by the possibility of that. Uh, I had panel discussions on this podcast. So uh, last April we had a series of panel discussions. It was really fun bringing people together to share 
thoughts and to explore together with how they're handling the pandemic. And it's one of the gifts that this podcast has given me. I feel as though I know these superhumans and these, these amazing people who know how to handle hard environments and know how to adapt and adjust. And so that was a really fun experiment for me. And I think there's something really powerful about panel discussions over Zoom and seeing four faces on the screen. And it's something that I'm going to, going to continue to explore going forward as well. And we might see some more panel discussions on this podcast. So that was super fun. And then lastly, I've innovated with my business. So I run this accelerator program that I mentioned at the intro where I coach 10 executives at a time, all one-on-one. And during the pandemic, we decided to do monthly Zoom calls where I bring in this community of about 40 people and they hop on and we discuss a theme. So one week it might be go big or go home. And what does that mean to them? Another week, it might be about returning from the pandemic and what it's like for them to be in in the corporate environment and, and what the office might look like or, or might not look like going forward. And other times we brought in guest speakers and facilitators and uh, people within our community will present on a theme. So it's just been a remarkable addition to my life and I think a value add to, to my clients as well. And the Accelerator has really become a big, big part of my business and and what I do. And once again, as I said in the beginning, if you're ever interested in learning more about what we do at the accelerator, I'm always happy to chat about it. Uh, It's just become a really remarkable program. Um, So those are things that I've experimented with and some have stuck and some will continue on. And I think others will, will probably fall by the wayside and and that's okay. But experimenting has definitely been a big piece of the last year for me and being fearless enough to try new things and go explore um, has been something that's been beneficial. Um, There's also been a lot of ways that I felt really grateful and I've had a lot happen in the last year. I published a book and the support that I got for that book has been remarkable. Um, we launched strong skills last, uh, March and strong skills is a team of just amazing people that are coaches and facilitators that really do important work. And I'm really excited by the, about the future of strong skills and, and where we can go and how we can impact our society. I also started to get much more intentional about creating a content plan that is more organized and streamlined because for a long time, I just did activities that energized me. And I was fortunate to find out early in my life that I loved discussing and creating as it related to humans and humans potential and what possibilities exist for us to go explore and live full and meaningful lives and careers And so I've gotten much more streamlined. I'll I'll share that with you right now. I think one of the things that I do is I really love to use Twitter as almost a journal. And I use it as a journal to just put ideas out there. And then I'll take an idea, a tweet, and then I'll turn that into an article. And I'll post that article in my newsletter. And so it's really helping our newsletter, which is called Brian's Message of the Week, become much more full and robust. And I think, once again, adding tremendous value to Uh, the people that read it. And then also sometimes I'll record these whiteboards where I can make the article come to life in a different format. And I'm banking all this content in the hopes that at some point there will probably be a book and I'll have more content that I can use to organize and, and put it into a book. But what I'll say even more importantly is that I have started to get much more intentional and organized and thoughtful about what I'm putting out there. And just by writing, it's 
helped me to better express what I am convicted in or what I am curious about. And I think that act of writing, starting with Twitter and then taking it to an article has helped me get clear on what I believe in and what I believe to be true and what I'm still pondering. So that is something that's really helpful. And I mentioned publishing the book. Once again, it was a forcing function for me to really get clear on what I think and why I think it and to then share that with people. And it's been really fun to share that with the world. The other big thing that has happened that I'm grateful for is reconnecting with my college friends. I went to a camp for about 11 years, a summer camp, and it had a profound experience on my life. And uh, we had a little Zoom reunion uh, in the during the pandemic. And I think we called it for 8.30 and by 12.30, we were still talking. So it was about four hours. And just to reconnect with some of these people that helped shape who I am today, whether it's from college or through that or you know lifelong friends and celebrating birthdays, it's just been amazing to reconnect with them, especially the ones that don't live in the same area as I do. So I'm really grateful for that. I've had a lot of podcasts where I've been the guest, which has been a role reversal for me in the last year. It wasn't something that I was too keen to do before 2020. And then with the book coming out, I did feel as though I had something to share. So that's been a a massive difference for me. And I'm still going on a lot of podcasts and doing some media hits for the book, um, Shift Your Mind. So that's been very different and I'm grateful for it. And then um, my wife and I have also figured out a way to support our kids and allowed my wife to work remotely and now in person and allowed me to work remotely. And so I'm really grateful that we've created some systems and processes to be able to do it. It doesn't mean my kids don't sometimes come up to the office earlier than I was hoping and interrupt me, but I've started to just embrace those moments and those times because there will be a time where they're not there. There will be a time where they're off and they're living somewhere else. And so just to smile a little bit when they come up and they want to be around me and um, you know, my, my son said to me the other day, he said, he said, Brian, he said, dad, I just want your attention. And I think at the end of the day, that's what kids really want from their parents is just to be seen and be heard and to be noticed. And so still trying to work on that and make sure I'm doing that to the best of my ability, but it's, it's cool to get the feedback from your kids when, when you are, it's a pretty amazing dopamine hit that at least I get when, when that happens. And then the other thing I started to do was on Mondays, I typically push my first client on Mondays to 9.15. And so I drop my kids off there in a, a pod. And so I, I go and drop them off at their school and take them to uh, school. And that's just a time that's really nice. And I feel engaged as a parent, even if it's once a week taking them. And once again, I hope that that's something that I can do when they're going to their school next year, uh, take them on Mondays and just making sure that they know that I'm present and I'm there and that they're important. I love doing it on Monday to just start the week. First of all, it helps my wife who needs to be in school. And second of all, it just sets the tone for the week and lets me remember that they're important and that I should value them. And sometimes they can take a back seat to the other things that I'm doing. So that's been, that's been some of the stuff that um, I've been thinking about that I'm grateful for. I'm really grateful that I've been able to do media without traveling and speaking gigs. I've done quite a few speaking gigs and I haven't had to leave my house. And so that's been a pretty remarkable thing. I also want to share that my clients have amazed me how many of them have said that they've actually been better now than they've ever been. I have a lot of clients who are always ripping and running and are moving really fast. And a lot of them, I talked to one the other day, he said, Brian, before this, I was rarely home for dinner. I was traveling. 
I was not slowing down. And this has allowed me to pause. It's allowed me to be there and to see things and to play with my kids and and to really be present for them. And so I've heard that a lot from my clients. I've also heard people that have decided to transition to a new job or to transition to a new environment, to move, to live where they want to live. Um, there is a liberation that I think has started to happen as it relates to people being able to choose where they work um, and, and how they approach work. And we'll see what happens going forward. But for now, I, I certainly have had clients who have changed jobs. I have had clients who have gotten new positions. I've had clients that have moved their families. Uh, there are definitely people that are losing their jobs. Um, so it's been a wild run. There are people that are deciding to retire. And I think that that transition is something that I've observed a lot of is that people have been willing to step into transition, some of them intentionally and some of them not. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of transformation, a lot of change that has gone on for people over the last year. And I just think we should acknowledge that transformation and, and sort of reflect on it and think about what's, what's evolving and what's, what's changing for us um, as we sit in this messy, messy time. Also, as we're recording this, I have to acknowledge that at current recording, we've had over 542,000 deaths just in the United States due to COVID. And it's real and it's scary. And I mentioned I had a friend who, who passed away uh, from COVID. And so people remain scared. People remain afraid. And people are out of work. And small businesses have shuttered and had to had to close. I mean, there is tremendous sadness and grief and, and trauma that is going on with this. Um, so we've seen the worst amongst our police during this time, especially as it relates to George Floyd, but others as well. Um, we've seen some great heroic things with our police as well. It's important to acknowledge that. We've seen riots, um, all kinds of riots from our citizens, uprisings. Um, we've seen some of the worst in our, our politicians who are supposed to be leading our country. So there's no question there have been challenges during the last year. And, uh, it's important once again, to acknowledge those challenges. Also science and, and research uh, as it relates to mental health is staggering. And so there is something called the Kaiser family foundation. They're a nonprofit that focuses on national health issues and they found that during the pandemic, about four in 10 adults in the U.S. have reported symptoms of anxiety or depression or some sort of depression feelings. And that number has been largely consistent throughout the pandemic. And it's up from one in 10 adults who reported those symptoms from January to June in 2019. So they're reporting that this has really been a significant increase as it relates to anxiety and, and depression. And they also found that from July 2020, that they found that many adults are reporting specific negative impacts on their mental health and well-being, such as difficulty sleeping. They found that 36% people have had trouble sleeping. I know I have. Uh, eating, 32%. I've talked to people who are struggling with their eating habits. Uh, increase in alcohol consumption or substance, or substance use, 12% of people admitted to that. And I know the circles that I'm in, I've had many conversations with friends about alcohol intake and especially the first few months where we were like, we can't sustain this and we had to roll it back. My wife and I looked at ourselves one day and we said, gosh, we really need to 
be careful here about what we're drinking and, and how much we're drinking. And I think a lot of times we eat or we drink or we lose sleep based on stress. And so it's something that is, is really important. Um, others, 12% reported uh, chronic conditions due to the worry and stress over the virus. So these are real numbers. This is real mental health crisis situation right now. And we really need to think about how our friends are, how our family is, and how our, our members of our community are doing. And, uh, you know, I once read that the biggest lie that people say is, I'm fine. And I think many of us are saying that we're fine right now. And if you look underneath the hood, there may be something a little bit more that's there. I know I've heard from people that are struggling during this time. Uh, I have referred a lot of people to psychologists during the pandemic, uh, young, old, uh, you know, mental health does not discriminate and people are struggling. And so I'd encourage you, if you are listening to this and you're having a hard time, reach out to a mental health professional, get some help. There are amazing people that do that work and it can get better. And I've worked with so many people who have benefited from seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist and have benefited immensely from it. Uh, I have done therapy in the past and find it to be helpful as well. But, um, Whatever it is that you need, um, there are people that, that can help you. And um, I just think it's an important reminder uh, as we continue to go through this. Um, lastly, I really want to have a call to action for all of us. And I think the question that I'm pondering is, how do I bring the best of the pandemic um, and some of the things I've experimented with with what I felt most alive with pre-pandemic. How do I blend those two? Because there are things over the last year that have been helpful for me. There are elements that I've experimented with that if we are back to quote-unquote normal, how do I still bring those things out? How do I minimize the elements that have really caused struggle for me going forward? What tools or systems or processes or habits can I put in place to minimize them? As I said, I want to feel alive as often as possible. I think all of us need to start to reflect on what is it during the last year that we want to continue and what is it that we need to stop and what is it that we want to get back to and how can we go about getting back to that? How do you focus on being where your feet are while still becoming a better version of yourself? How do you want to approach life going forward? How do you want to approach work? How can we have grace for those who may still be struggling without falling into the perils of victimizing adversity? It's such a hard thing to figure out is how do we have empathy and compassion for people while still holding them accountable to the love and the care and the potential that we know they have. That's something that I wonder all the time. Like, when am I getting into victim mode unnecessarily? And when do I need to be in thriver mode? It's something that we all need to reflect on. And I certainly do for myself and also for those that I love. What habits, guardrails, actions can we take to be more intentional? In order to be intentional, we have to reflect. We have to think about what is the best practice for me What is the best practice for we if we are in relationship with other people? 
it's something I'm absolutely pondering right now. These are the questions I'm asking myself. I hope you'll join me in asking yourself as well. And together, hopefully, we can come out of this extremely challenging year better, wiser, healthier. I always call them all the ERs because they, they require extra reps, extra reps, ERs. We don't want to be smart, we want to be smarter. We don't want to be fast, we want to be faster. Add those ERs. And I really think if we work together, we help each other, we can all be better off coming out of this thing going forward. If you want my help, if you want to just riff on some of this stuff with me, I could probably use your help as much as you could use my help. Feel free to send me a note on Twitter or on LinkedIn. I'm at Brian Levinson. Let's connect there. And, and then from there, maybe we'll schedule a time to chat a month from now. You can also email me at brian at strongskills.co. If you want to dive deeper into our accelerator program, once again, that's the one-on-one coaching and then the monthly Zoom group calls. Um, we actually have had clients that have signed up that have found out about the accelerator through this podcast. So if it's of interest, feel free to reach out to me, brian at strongskills.co. And lastly, I'm just so grateful to have this platform. It's amazing that we live in a world where I can set up a microphone and a computer at my house and record something that will then get disseminated all out, all throughout the world. It's just an amazing time to be alive. And I can't wait to feel alive with all of you going forward. Thanks for all the love. Thanks for all the support. I love y'all. And I will talk to you real soon. Take care.